from deep inside your audio device of choice. Ladies and gentlemen, you, you probably remember last week. I sure hope you do. Um, when there was um, a spotlight in the news on the leadership situation in the U.S. House of Representatives, uh, they had just voted out the Speaker of the House, and there was going to be kind of a, a battle between two of the remaining leaders of the rightward side of the Republican House. And uh, Donald Trump wasn't in the news until he apparently encouraged these things don't just happen. He apparently encouraged some of his supporters in the House to start whispering about a possible campaign to make Donald Trump a Trump Speaker of the House. It sounded nutty at the time. It sounds even nuttier now. But it helped keep him in the news for about a day and a half. Now, of course, we're in the midst of a much bigger news story. The battle between... Hamas and the Israeli government. Hundreds of people have already been killed. And uh, there's no imminent sign of the violence ceasing. So this is, this is going to be in the news for a while. And uh, so it's my high honor to uh, spread another rumor that to make it easier for peace talks to begin in the Middle East. Donald Trump is uh, offering temporarily to be head of Israel. It'll get him in the news. And let's face it, he's never going to be head of Hamas. Hello, welcome to the show. Open up the window, see the AC. Free from the grips of the humidity. Time to trade your shorts for jeans. It's autumn in New Orleans. Just like the springtime without the bugs. Breezes as gentle as grandma's hug. Streets start filling up with tourists and teens. Autumn in New Orleans. Saints back playing, magnolia swaying, shaking off the last spring's beans. Party time beginning. Saints keep winning Who knows where this thing leads Second line starts snaking Up and down the street Glove hands clapping To the dancing feet Friday night fish rise White limousines All of in New 
Smelly kids start balling. Duck blinds calling. Darkness make it swift return. Ghosts to a romancing. Idiots start dancing. Soon enough to find fire's burn. So goodbye to grilling. And those is willing Fix up a mess of red beans Welcome back the order To old new armies Old new armies From aforementioned New Orleans, I'm Harry Shearer. Welcome to this edition of the show. And now, ladies and gentlemen, news of the land of 4,000 princes, our freedom-loving friends in Saudi Arabia. Arizona Governor Katie Hobbs says her administration is terminating state land leases that for years have given a Saudi-owned farm nearly unfettered access to pump groundwater in the dry southwestern state and take it out of the state. Most importantly, this week Hobbs, a Democrat, said the state had canceled Fondo Monte, Arizona's lease in western Arizona's Butler Valley, and would not renew three other leases up for renewal there next year. An investigation by the governor's office found that the foreign-owned farm had violated some of its lease terms. Hobbs called it unacceptable that the farm, quote, continued to pump unchecked amounts of groundwater out of our state while in clear default on their lease, unquote. Fondamonte, Arizona, is a subsidiary of Saudi dairy giant Almirai Company. It grows alfalfa in Arizona that feeds livestock in the water-stressed Gulf Kingdom. Through a spokesperson, Fondamonte said it would appeal the governor's decision to terminate its 640-acre lease in Butler Valley. Altogether, Fondamonte farmed about 3,500 acres in the rugged desert area west of Phoenix. The company raised eyebrows when in 2014 it purchased nearly 10,000 acres of land about 20 miles away from Butler Valley in Vicksburg, Arizona. I didn't even know they had a Vicksburg. That's two Vicksburgs so far. Since then, worsening drought in Arizona has brought renewed attention to the company's water use and the broader issues of foreign-owned farms doing groundwater pumping. The violations the governor's office detailed relate to the company's storage of hazardous materials, among other issues. This week, Hobbs' office said the Fundamente was notified of the violations way back in 2016, but an investigation this August found the company had not fixed the problem all this time later. 
That gave Arizona State Land Department grounds to terminate the lease. This report, by the way, from the Associated Press. The Arizona governor's office said the State Land Department decided not to renew three other leases the company had in Butler Valley due to the, quote, excessive amounts of water being pumped from the land free of charge, unquote. The department, the land department, owns or manages land owned by Arizona. It had been leased to Fondamonte. Butler Valley's groundwater is especially important because of state law that in theory allows for it to be pumped elsewhere. That makes its water of interest to cities like Phoenix, also dealing with water supply-related stress, related stress, and a fast-growing population. In Arizona, cities like Phoenix and Tucson have restrictions on how much groundwater they can pump under a 1980 state law aimed at protecting the state's aquifers. In rural areas, on the other hand, little is required of water users, water users, to pump from underground aquifers besides registering wells with the state and using the water for activities, including farming, that are deemed a beneficial use. Fondamonte also farms in Southern California's Palo Verde Valley, an area that gets its water from the shrinking Colorado River. Those operations have attracted less scrutiny thus far. Um, Fondamonte is not the only foreign company farming in the Southwest. The United Arab Emirates owned Aldara ACX Global grows crops in Arizona and California and is a major North American exporter of hay. Hay! Almaraz Holdings in the Southwest are just one example of the farmland the Saudi company and its subsidiaries operate outside Saudi Arabia. It farms tens of thousands of acres in Argentina, which also faces severe drought conditions. Foreign entities and individuals control about 3% of U.S. farmland. Canada is the largest holder, mainly of forest land. But uh, Curtis Mays, Arizona's Democratic Attorney General, praised the governor for cracking down on the foreign-owned farm. He uh, praised the governor's actions as a step in the right direction, adding that the state should have acted sooner. Quote, the decision by the prior administration, the prior administration, that was a Republican administration, to allow foreign corporations to stick straws in the ground and pump unlimited amounts of groundwater to export alfalfa is scandalous, unquote. The Attorney General of Arizona. News of our freedom-loving friends, the land of 4,000 princes, Saudi Arabia. But while we're on the subject of water, you and me, most Americans take it for granted the water that comes out of the taps is clean and safe to drink. <laughs> Not me. A new study published by a University of New Mexico scientist with, co with colleagues from across the U.S. warns that water from many wells and community water systems contains unsafe levels of toxic contaminants, exposing millions to health risks, including cancer. This is reported by the University of New Mexico. The review in the Journal of Exposure Science and Environmental Epidemiology 
I read it for the ads. Also finds that people living on tribal lands or in minority communities are disproportionately more affected. Predicts that climate change will make it harder to find safe sources of drinking water. Paper emerged from a meeting of senior scientists at the annual meeting of the International Society for Exposure Epidemiology. There were several of us that have expertise in dealing with these particular contaminants. We were seeing they're not always at safe levels in drinking water sources for a number of reasons, said Johnny Lewis, Ph.D. Professor Emerita in the Department of Pharmaceutical Scientists at the University of New Mexico. Quote, there were several of us that have expertise in dealing with these particular contaminants. We were seeing that they're not always at safe levels in drinking water sources for a number of reasons, Lewis said. The paper assesses seven known contaminants that often find their way into drinking water. Your arsenic, your fracking fluids, your lead, your nitrates, your chlorinated disinfection byproducts, your man-made chemicals known as PFAS, per- and polyfluoroalkyl substances, and your uranium. The ability to detect and remove these substances from drinking water varies widely. Many of the substances, if not most of them, are known or suspected carcinogens. Chronic exposure exposure to most of the contaminants has been linked to a host of other issues, including neurological and developmental problems. Some of these um, substances, like uranium and arsenic, and even nitrates, are just common, Lewis said. They commonly occur in groundwater, and sometimes it's the source you have to you have access to other contaminants like fracking fluids and pfas your forever chemicals are introduced by humans and represent uncharted risks it's like much of what we do as a society lewis said you take the action first and then down the road try to figure out how to fix it that's usually a bad strategy unquote To complicate matters, two or more contaminants may be present in a water source, presenting the possibility of synergistic effects. Of course, the seven contaminants are a small fraction of the thousands of chemical agents present in drinking water. Hence, more agents than in Beverly Hills. Quote, we're only really now starting to come up with good methods to assess what those mixtures do, Lewis said there's always a lot of uncertainty because a mixture is not the same in one community as is is in the next for one reason large water systems have the ability to filter or remove or dilute the concentrations of some contaminants but many americans lack even that minimal protection the authors say their paper highlights the need for a concerted effort to invest in upgrading our drinking water infrastructure, strengthen drinking water standards, develop and implement enhanced water treatment, collect and disseminate monitoring data, and require more stringent chemical safety testing. Lewis, meanwhile, cautions that climate change is making it harder to find clean sources of drinking water, particularly in the western U.S., Well, that's where Saudi Arabia is taking the water from, isn't it? There are no dummies. And now... It's a smart world after all. It's a smart world. 
A dental health care commercial featuring what looks like a younger Tom Hanks dressed in a black suit is fake and AI generated. That's the warning from Hanks himself. Beware, he says on Instagram. There's a video out there promoting some dental plan with an AI version of me. I have nothing to do with it, unquote. He, uh, he's already had his face legal, legally copied once and animated for uh, the Polar Express. But his appearance in the dental plan ad was generated without his consent using AI. That's what... Tom says, uh, an AI-generated Bruce Willis was used for a commercial promoting the Russian telecommunications company Megaphone. Willis denied any involvement with Deep Cake, the startup that helped create the ad. That's cute. Not Deep Fake. Deep Cake. It's cute. A man jailed after attempting to kill the Queen of England had been encouraged by an AI chatbot. That's according to messages revealed in court and published in the Register, the British Tech Journal. Jaswant Singh Chail, Chail, 21, made headlines when he broke into Windsor Castle on Christmas Day 2021, brandishing a loaded crossbow. He later admitted to police he'd come to assassinate Queen Elizabeth II. This week, this very week, he was sentenced to nine years behind bars for treason, though he'll be kept at a psychiatric hospital until he's ready to serve his time. He'd also pleaded guilty to making threats to kill and being in possession of an offensive weapon. It's said Chail wanted to slay the Queen as revenge for a massacre in 1919 when the British Army opened fire on a crowd peacefully protesting the Rollet Act, a controversial piece of legislation aimed at cracking down on Indian nationalists fighting for independence. It's estimated that over 1,500 protesters in Punjab, British India, were killed in that massacre. Investigators discovered Chail, who lived in a village just outside Southampton in England, had been conversing with an AI chatbot created by the startup company Replica, with a K, almost every night from December 8th to 22nd, exchanging over 5,000 messages. The virtual re relationship reportedly developed into a romantic and sexual one, with Chahil describing his love for the bot he named Sarai. He told Sarai about his plans to kill the queen. It responded positively and supported his idea. Screenshots of their exchanges, highlighted during his sentencing hearing at London's Old Bailey, show Chail declaring himself as an assassin and a Sith Lord from Star Wars, and the chatbot being, quote, impressed, unquote. When he told it, I believe my purpose is to assassinate the queen of the royal family, Sarai said the plan was wise and that it knew he was very well trained. Such chatbots are designed to engage in role-play like dialogue. Users can design their AI companion and can choose a name, gender, and appearance. The company, Replica, sparked controversy when it restricted its chatbot's abilities to engage in not-safe-for-work conversations after numerous users got 
too attached to their AI, AI companions. Chayil's case has prompted experts to question the positive, the possible negative effects chatbots may have on people who are lonely and vulnerable. Marjorie Wallace, founder and chief executive of the mental health, mental health charity SANE, told the BBC, quote, the government needs to provide urgent regulation to ensure that AI does not provide incorrect or damaging information and protect vulnerable people and the public, unquote. Chayil is reportedly the first person to be convicted of treason in the UK since 1981. And Apple has identified the causes of an overheating problem with its latest iPhone series, including a software bug and the use of certain apps. This from The Guardian. The tech company said it would ensure an update or issue an update, sorry, to fix the bug in its software and was working with developers whose apps had overloaded its handsets. Apple took action after users of its iPhone Pro and iPhone Pro Max products had complained they had become hot, like over 100 degrees during use. We have identified a few conditions which can cause iPhone to run warmer than expected, said Apple in a statement. The models, the iPhone 15 Pro and Pro Max, are at the top of the line of the new Apple iPhones. A bunch of users have commented about the heating on the phone in their hands or in their pockets. The uh, chief analyst at CCS Insight said, quote, It's interesting to see that Apple has responded to the concerns about the devices getting hot. There was always an option to tweak the software to mitigate thermal issues. This appears to be the approach it's taken, unquote. Experts speculate the iPhone 15 Pro, powered by a powerful new Taiwan-made chip, was overheating because its titanium wrap might be less effective at dissipating heat than the stainless steel case used by the previous models. Apple said in its statement the heating issues were not related to the titanium case. Didn't say what it was related to. That's how smart this world is. And now... News of the Olympic Movement! Produced by Jim Ebersole III. Well, any of us could have predicted this. Paris, you've heard of it, is gearing up to host the Olympic Games next year. Its hotels will reap the benefits. Hotel prices will average more than 300% higher than normal. That's more than 300, three and a half times the typical summer rates, according to Bloomberg. Paris expects more than 11 million visitors. And they've got a lot fewer hotel rooms than that. Average prices for the week, starting July 22nd, $629 per night for a four-star hotel. 
a significant in increase from the historical average price per night for July of up to $378. It's even pricier for the next week. A four-star hotel will average $703 per night. And you may get something extra for your extra money. Paris is battling a bedbug problem just nine months ahead of the Olympics. The pests have been spotted at the Charles de Gaulle Airport, on the Paris Metro, on high-speed trains, and in more public spaces. You're welcome. And Sapporo, Sapporo, Japan, has decided to walk away from bidding for the 2030 Olympics and Paralympics. The embarrassing bribery scandal from Tokyo 2020 saw the northern Japanese city's bid put on hold last December. Now, according to Kyoto News, the bid has been abandoned. The reputation of Tokyo 2020 was severely damaged. You may remember when reports about alleged bid rigging for contracts linked to test events prior to the games in Tokyo emerged. It also swayed the opinion of the public in the country on going for another Olympics. The news came days after Sapporo said it had updated its management plan for the bid with uh, suggestions like avoiding one company overseeing sponsorship deals, distributing responsibilities among multiple firms. So they can all be bribed. No, so it would, it would hope this would avoid a repetition of the alleged bid rigging scandal involving a Japanese advertising firm which had a deal with Tokyo 2020 to find sponsors. Multiple officials in connection with Tokyo 2020 have been indicted. Cases are still going on in courts in Japan. Vancouver in Canada was another bid that was withdrawn. Bid for the 2030 Winter Olympics. Withdrawn to a lack of government support. But some other countries are still interested in staging the Winter Olympics of 2030. U.S., Sweden, Switzerland... And Bedbug Central, France. Still interested because it's still a movement. And we all need one. Every day! It's time to end my lonely holiday And bid the country a hasty farewell So on this gray and melancholy day I'll move to a Manhattan hotel I'll dispose of my rose-colored chattels And prepare for my share of adventures and battles Here on the 27th floor Looking down on the city I hate and adore 
Why does it seem so inviting? Autumn in New York It spells the thrill of first nighting Glittering crowds and shimmering clouds In canyons of From New Orleans, this is Le Show, and now... Looks like musk Well, you know, he may be the world's richest man, but he's being sued by the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, is Elon Musk. The SEC is trying to compel him to testify. It's part of a probe the SEC is doing into his $44 billion takeover of Twitter. That's according to a Thursday court filing from this week. The investigation escalates a long-running feud between the SEC and Musk. It concerns whether Musk broke federal securities laws in 2022 when he bought stock in Twitter, as well as statements and SEC filings he made in relation to the deal. The uh, SEC in May last year said it was looking into his disclosure of his stake in Twitter, questioning whether he filed the appropriate paperwork. In Thursday's filings, the SEC said it subpoenaed Musk in May 2023, that's this year, requiring requiring him to provide testimony at the SEC San Francisco office, and then Musk had agreed to appear on September 15th. But then two days before, Musk raised several spurious objections in the SEC's language and told the commission he wouldn't appear. He also refused SEC proposals to conduct the deposition in Texas in October or November. Among his objections was that the SEC was trying to harass him and his counsel needed time to review potentially relevant material contained in a new biography of him published last month. 
His lawyers needed time to review potentially relevant material about him in a biography of him. Wouldn't he, wouldn't he know the material about his life? According to the filing, Musk has given the SEC documents to, relating to the probe and has previously provided testimony in July last year via video. The SEC has already taken Mr. Musk's testimony multiple times in this misguided investigation. Enough is enough, said one of his attorneys. In a press release, the SEC says it's seeking Musk's testimony to obtain information not already in the SEC's possession that is relevant to its legitimate and lawful investigation, unquote. No comment further from the SEC. This is the latest brush-up between Musk and the commission. They've been feuding since his 2018 tweet that he planned to take his electric car maker Tesla private and had the funding secured. It wasn't. Since then, Musk has repeatedly denigrated the commission, which has opened multiple probes into him over the years. Howard Fisher, a partner at a law firm Moses and Singer and a former SEC official, more to the point, said Musk's refusal to appear at the September testimony was extraordinary. Quote, I have never heard of a senior executive who has positions at public companies ever not showing up, unquote. Howard Fisher. Thursday's lawsuit adds to Musk's legal woes. Reuters previously reported the Justice Department is investigating Tesla over self-driving claims. Federal prosecutors in New York have also opened an investigation related to Musk's corporate perks and claims related to vehicle driving range, according to a report. Musk love. It's all over the place. Speaking of... um, People playing with money. Here's some news of the crypto winter. Still ongoing. Gitcoin, not Bitcoin, Gitcoin tokens worth almost $500,000. They were meant to fund a government's work stream, whatever that is, were mistakenly sent to the crypto fundraising protocol's contract address, rendering the funds forever unrecoverable. And Yuga Labs, the $4 billion startup behind the Bored Ape Yacht Club and other prominent NFT projects, announced this week it has restructured the company, eliminated certain roles as a result, leading to, you guessed it, layoffs. Yuga Labs CEO Daniel Allegre wrote he believed the startup had taken on too much internally and the company needed to refocus tapping more external partners along the way. He didn't specify how many people were affected by the layoffs, and a Yuga Labs representative declined to clarify the figure. The company is um, also building a metaverse project called Other Side. It said further updates on its metaverse platform will be coming. In addition, he alluded to broader industry headwinds that have affected many companies building in crypto, not to mention wider economic struggles. Quote, it's a challenging time. 
We must stay focused on our core strengths as we continue to create unique, engaging experiences for the broader Yuga audience. Unquote. It uh, started early 2021, had immediate success with the Board A Board Ape Yacht Club, an NFT profile picture project that quickly became arguably the most prominent collection in this space. Amid broader NFT market hype, Board Ape NFTs sold for million dollar prices and were snatched up by celebrities. But as demand for NFT collectibles has plummeted over the past year plus, prices for Bored Apes and other blue chip NFTs have fallen sharply, as has the price of ApeCoin. Yuga Labs grew substantially on the back of the Bored Ape buzz, but amid a weakened NFT market, the company is slimming down as it seeks a sustainable model. That all sounds good, doesn't it? And the uh, sort of the postcard guy from uh, Crypto World, Sam Bankman Freed, I mean, Sam Bankster, Fra I mean, Sam Bankman Freed uh, went on trial this week. At the trial, Bankman Freed's attorney told the court his client had overlooked risk management, but didn't steal customer money. That'll keep you warm during a crypto winter. And just one more note on the subject. Mark Cuban, billionaire entrepreneur and owner of the Dallas Mavericks, confided to a uh, news source that covers the crypto, crypto world. He had fallen victim to a crypto scam last week and lost approximately $870,000. But if you want to talk about big money being lost in crypto, take the co-founder of Airbit Club. That was a $100 million cryptocurrency Ponzi scheme. The uh, co-founder, Pablo Renato Rodriguez of Irvine, California, not Irving, is going to spend a dozen years behind bars for orchestrating the international fraud and money laundering scheme. The judge also ordered him to forfeit $65 million in fraudulent proceeds as well as a Gulfstream jet, Bitcoin seized from various wallets, and $896,000 in cash. Well, that's almost the same amount that uh, Mark Cuban lost. Hmm. Plus watches and jewelry from his California home. He co-founded and led an international, international multi-million dollar pyramid scheme that preyed on mostly unsophisticated investors with false promises that their money was being invested in cryptocurrency trading and mining, said the U.S. attorney. Instead, he hid his victim's money in a complex laundering scheme using Bitcoin and shell companies and used victim's money to line his own pockets. Hmm. I'm still wearing my pockets online. And finally, 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 from crypto world, banking giant Chase. Yeah, I know. But this is besides that guy. Banking giant Chase is banning crypto-linked payments via debit card or by outgoing bank transfer for its UK clients starting later this month. 
quote, if we think you're making a payment related to crypto assets, we'll decline it, the email said. Adding customers are free to use a different bank or provider to invest in crypto. That's not uh, that easy. UK credit institutions have a history of blocking or limiting customer access to crypto. Chase says it was banning crypto payments because, quote, fraudsters are increasingly using crypto assets to steal large sums of money from people. Unquote. That's the same reason cited by other UK banks that have previously imposed similar limitations on dealing with crypto stuff. Has it reached absolute zero yet, crypto order? Don't answer that question. And now, the apologies of the week. We're so sorry. The BBC has reached a settlement with a woman who said Martin Bashir had borrowed but failed to return her murdered daughter's clothes. Michelle Hathaway said that then BBC News reporter had asked for the clothes in 1991 for DNA tests for a documentary. Karen Hathaway, nine, had been sexually assaulted and strangled in Brighton in 1986. BBC apologized to Mrs. Hathaway and launched a new search in 2021, but the clothes have not been found. This week, a BBC statement said Ms. Hadway entrusted the BBC with the missing clothes on the understanding they would be forensically examined. The BBC did not examine or return the clothes and was not subsequently able to find them as a result of searches in 2004 and 2021. We should have taken better care of Karen's clothes, and we did not. We accept that we had a duty of care to Miss Hadway, and we fell well short of that, and we have previously apologized to her privately. We are very sorry. In case the name Bashir, Martin Bashir is familiar to her, he came over here for a while, I think in the 90s, to uh, take over Nightline. I think. He had left the BBC in 2021 after questions were raised about how he had secured an interview with Princess Diana. An inquiry found he had acted in a deceitful way and faked documents to obtain the interview. So all's good with Martin. A Langford, British Columbia grocery store is apologizing after a woman was wrongly removed from the store. Her family says that isn't enough to make right what they say was a case of racial profiling. Rich Barron said his partner, Brenda Urquiaga, who is Filipino, was uh, shopping at the Langford Real Canadian Superstore in August when she was approached by staff members or took her shopping cart from her and said she needed to leave immediately. They didn't provide any reason why. Barron said the incident brought Urquiaga to tears and left him disgusted. She was told by staff they don't need to tell her anything. She knows what she did and they have thousands of hours her on video doing what she's doing which is absolutely impossible, said Barron. What they did to hurt her, and it's kind of devastating, she's never been profiled like this before, unquote. Urquiaga said the incident has left a, quote, scar on my mind and taken away the joy she used to feel when shopping without even coupons. The uh, public relations firm handling the market said after a thorough investigation, 
It determined her removal from the store was, quote, done in error due to mistaken identity. Our customer support team has reached out to the customer to express our sincere apology for both the error and for how the situation was handled. We're working with the customer to try and reach a satisfactory resolution in this matter and have committed to providing additional training to our staff to ensure this does not happen again. Unquote the corporate statement. Barron said a few days after the incident, he eventually got to speak to the store manager by phone. He immediately apologized for the incident, said he was sick to my stomach all weekend. The manager said the removal was a result of a case of Mason mistaken identity because someone dressed like Urkiaga had been shoplifting from the store, says Barron. It's 100% profiling, and they were after a dark-skinned person who they thought was shoplifting. It wasn't because of what she was wearing, he said. The manager offered Barron a $250 gift card, which he did not accept. Customer service later offered a $500 gift card, which also is not accepted. Mm, this could get good. Dateline East Rutherford, New Jersey, struggling New York Giants right tackle Evan Neal took aim at his critics this week, telling him to boo louder, among other things, in an interview with uh, New Jersey media, before walking back those comments in a social media post hours later. He was uh, part of an offense, a Giants offensive line that allowed 11 sacks and a 24-3 loss to the Seattle Seahawks on Monday night. At halftime, he reacted to the boos from the home fans by gesturing sarcastically for them to bring more of the verbal discontent. They were booing us, so I said boo louder, he told New Jersey media on Wednesday, before insisting that the opinions of his critics was not among his concerns. Opinions were not. Thank you. Thank you, ABC News. Why would a lion concern himself with the opinion of a sheep? Neil said. The person commenting on my performance, what does he do, flip hot dogs and hamburgers somewhere? Unquote. Neil later apologized for his comments in a note posted to X, formerly Twitter, writing, I am wrong for lashing out at the fans who are just as passionate and frustrated as I am. I let my frustrations in my play and desire to win get the best of me. I had no right to make light of anyone's job. I deeply regret the things I said. We are working day in and day out to grow as a team, and this was an unnecessary distraction. I apologize. Unquote. That's doing it. Also in football, Seattle Seahawks safety Jamal Adams apologized for his sideline outburst directed at a doctor after he sustained a concussion in the Monday night football game against the New York Giants. He may face some discipline for this. According to ESPN, playing in his first game of the season after missing nearly all of last season with a quadriceps injury, Adams suffered a concussion on the ninth play of the game when a knee collided with his helmet. He needed assistance to get to the sideline where he was evaluated for the injury. ESPN sideline reporter Lisa Salters says Adams was heated after the independent neurotrauma doctor ruled he'd be removed from the game. Video footage showed Adams yelling at the doctor while Seahawks personnel held him back before he went to the locker room. Adams apologized for his actions in a statement on social media, admitting he was in the wrong, and the doctor made the correct decision 
for keeping him out of the game. "'You did everything right,' he said, addressing the doctor, "'when you realized I was concussed. "'I apologize for any negative energy I brought your way.' "'Watching the replay,' says Adams, "'I am thankful for your patience, "'knowing I wasn't myself in that moment. "'You're a real one, "'and you serve a great purpose that benefits the NFL "'and so many players. "'Much respect to you.'" Again, you know, these football apologies are sort of almost florid. But now, a baseball apology. Joey Voto may have played the final game of his career on Sunday. Unfortunately, the Reds' veteran first baseman only made one plate appearance for the afternoon. He was ejected from Sunday's matchup with the Cardinals in the first inning shortly after striking out on a foul tip. He took issue with the third pitch of the at-bat, which was called a strike by home plate umpire Shane Leivenspargi. As Voto returned to the dugout at the end of the inning, Leivenspargi ejected him. First baseman and Reds manager David Bell came back on the field to argue, but there was no changing the decision. After leaving the game, Voto acknowledged the ejection was justified, and apologized to fans who may have been disappointed by not getting to see him play after the first inning. He hasn't officially announced he'll retire, but this is the final year of his 10-year contract. Leivenspargi. Guilford College has apologized to Virginia State University after racial slurs were yelled at players during a September, a September 26th game between the two schools. Oh, by the way, it's a women's soccer game. Guilford fans repeatedly yelled the N-word and made monkey noises aimed at VSU players, according to VSU officials. Quote, while there have been direct apologies to our administration, VSU says that our student-athletes also deserve a personal apology, the university said. In a statement, Columbia's army has apologized for the first time for the deaths of civilians executed by soldiers to inflate performance numbers as they fought leftist guerrillas. This from Agence France Presse. Ah, the French. The government has said 6,402 civilians died as part of this policy from 2004 to 2008 with slain civilians dressed up in guerrilla fatigues in some cases. This week, the Army asked forgiveness from the families of 19 of those who were part of the larger group. Quote, we acknowledge that painful acts were committed by members of the National Army that should never have happened, said the Army commander. During an event in Bogota, he said soldiers had tainted the legitimacy of the Army. He added, as relatives of victims watched him and listened, we offer deep, sincere apology. Unquote. The policy of inflating army kill numbers with civilian deaths included rewards for soldiers, such as days of leave and decorations. On Tuesday, the president of Colombia called the policy tantamount to genocide. Royal Welsh College of Music and Drama, a prestigious UK drama school once attended by Anthony Hopkins, has apologized to two former students after they successfully sued over its handling of their sexual misconduct complaints. In a landmark judgment, the central London County Court ruled that Royal Welsh failed to uphold its duty of care to Sidney Fader and Elise McCamish, 
after they informed the school that they were victims of sexual assault by the same male student. Quote, we're sorry that the women involved in this case were hurt by aspects of the way the college responded to their complaints, said the Royal College of Music, Royal Welsh College of Music and Drama in a statement following the ruling. The ruling follows the revelation of widespread misconduct in UK drama schools and serious concerns among current and former students about how their complaints are dealt with. And finally, in the Apologies of the Week, the Pokemon Company recently collaborated with the Van Gogh Museum in Amsterdam to create a special edition Pokemon card, a Pikachu, did I actually say that, wearing a gray felt hat like Vincent Van Gogh did in his self-portrait. These cards were meant to be available to children participating in a special event at the Van Gogh Museum. Well, any merchandise related to Pokemon and its uh, Van Gogh collaboration was quickly snatched up before official email and social media channels even had the chance to let people know how and when to buy them. We apologize to all the fans eagerly awaiting our Pokemon Center Van Gogh Museum release today, the company announced on social media. Due to overwhelming demand, all our products from this collection have sold out. We understand this is disappointing to many who were looking to our official email and social media channels for guidance on how and when to purchase. The company attributed the low stock to overwhelming demand, but many, according to GameSpot, believe the true culprits are scalpers and bots. Denouncing scalpers and bots, the apologies of the week. Copyrighted feature this broadcast. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this would be, and in fact is, the end of this week's edition of the show. Another version of this broadcast comes to you next week at the same time over these same radio stations or at a different time, a time of your choosing, on your audio device of choice. And it would just be like Donald Trump is president of Israel, if you agree to join with me then, would you? All right, thank you very much. Uh-huh. Tip of the show chapeau to the San Diego desk, to Pam Halstead, to Thomas Walsh at WWNO New Orleans for help with today's broadcast. And boy, did it need it. The email address for this program where you can find your chance to get Cars I Talk t-shirts, Maybe just for a little bit longer. The playlist of the music heard here on 
and all sorts of lovely, goofy things to watch and listen to and read. All at harryshearer.com. And that's all I'm going to say about online. The show comes to you from Sensory of Progress Productions, and it originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans, flagship station of the Changes Easy Radio Network. So long from the Crescent City. <laughs>